our speaker for tonight. I'm just the founder of the God's View, Valorant's International Esteemed Women. Offers wisdom and guidance through podcasts and blogs in order to impart God's message into the highways and the byways so that they so that many will know truth and knowing God's truth that they will be set free. We thank God for the boldness um, of his word in her mouth. We thank God, hallelujah, for strengthening her for such a time as this and grooming her and raising her up, amen, um, for his glory. I want to introduce to some and reintroduce to others, none other than the amazing, anointed, appointed woman of God, um, the founder of the God's View, none other than Thomasia Johnson. Amen, amen, and amen. To God be the glory. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Dynamic woman of God, you have the platform. Thank you so much, Ms. Dara Shade. Uh, my name is Tamika Johnson once again. Um, I want to thank you guys this evening for listening. Um, the sermon today um, would be about judgment. Um, uh, Ms. Dara Shade told, uh, asked me a question a couple of days ago if I had any titles and I really didn't have any, but this one, I think I might have one. And I would like to add that title to be, Oh, the Irony. So, um, and the reason why I say irony, I don't know if you guys know what irony means, but um, it's the state of affairs, an event that seems deliberately contrary to what one expects. So when somebody plots one thing, it turns out to totally do something else that they never expected. So um, we're gonna. Uh, that's what um, Esther. We're gonna go into Esther um, chapter seven and eight, um, and those that scripture has some judgment and some irony. And then I'm gonna pull up more scriptures in the Bible that also have some judgment and some irony. You just find that there's a lot of judgment and irony going on where someone plots one thing, but it turns the backfire on them a whole other way. So we're gonna jump right into it. I also wanna think about loving when Ms. Dara Shade does this. She's always saying, for such a time as this. And Esther has that exact, still the exact words in it for such a time as this, and it just was mainly about how she even came about being the queen of that land. Um, and Mordecai told her, you know, you're a queen because God made you that way for such a time as this, and you never know what God has for you. So, you know, she might not have wanted to be queen, but she became queen so she could save her people. So, I don't know what she said, Dad. And then it's kind of just go right along with Esther because that's, that's where it came from. So, I just love it. I don't want to say that. Anyway, 
ice cream. Um, let's jump right into it. We're going to go to um, Esther, the seventh chapter. We're going to, uh, I don't know if anybody knows Esther, uh, but she is, uh, she's a Jew that became a queen. And her becoming a queen allowed for her to be able to save her people. So we're going to jump into basically the judgment part. Uh, because uh, prior to that, uh, matter of fact, I'll tell you a little bit prior to that. So prior to that, her uncle, who my name is Mordecai, um, he was the one that kind of taught her, you know, what to do in the kingdom, and then he'll come by and tell her stuff every now and then. And one day he came by and started living in the kingdom, um, came by and told her, living in the house, came by and told her that someone was planning to kill the king. So when he gave gave her the message, she relayed the message to him, to the king, and you know they got rid of the people that were trying to kill him. So, but the king never got a chance to thank Mordecai for saving his life. So then um, later he promoted a guy named Haman, and this Haman guy, you know his you know, ego was pumped up, you know, but he was like, hey, y'all bow down to me. So my guy was like, I'm not bowing down to you, you're not God. So he felt some type of way, he felt some type of way, his little feelings, uh, you know, his pride. And so he made a plot to kill the Jews, and he used the king to do so. So, um, and he had a plot to kill Mordecai in front of everybody. We're going to jump right into now Esther coming in, and Mordecai kind of, like, told her, told her, you know, what's going on. And so she had to, you know, converse with God for three days on what to do. And her plan was to get both Canaan and the king together at a dinner and basically discuss about uh, the Haman and plan for her people. So we're going to jump right into that. So we go Esther, the 7th chapter, verses 3 to the 10th, 3rd to the 10th verses, and it reads as this. Then Esther, the queen, answered and said, If I have found favor in thy sight, O king, and if it please the king, let my life be given me at my petition and my people at my request. For we are sold, I and my people, to be destroyed, to be slain, to perish. But if we had been sold for bondmen and bondwomen, I had held my tongue, although the enemy could not countervail the king's damage. Then the king, Aharis, Ahasuerus, answered and said unto Esther the queen, Who is he, and where is he, that durst presume in his heart to do so? And Esther said, The adversary and enemy is this wicked Haman. Then Haman was afraid before the king and the queen, and the queen arising from the and the king arising from the banquet of wine in his wrath went into the palace garden, and Haman stood up to make request for his life to Esther the queen, for he saw that there was evil determined against him by the king. Then the king returned out of the palace garden into the place of the banquet of wine. And Haman was fallen upon the bed whereon Esther was. Then said the king, Will he force the queen also before me in the house? At the word 
turned him out of the king's mouth, they covered Haman's face. And Harbinah, one of the camp chamberlains, one of the chamberlains said before the king, Behold, also the gallows, fifty cubits high, which Haman had made for Mordecai, who had spoken good for the king, standeth in the house of Haman. Then the king said, Hang him thereon. So they hang Haman on the gallows that he had prepared for Mordecai. Then was the king's wrath testified. <laughs> so see, this is the irony I was talking about. Because Haman had not foreseen this happening. He was all excited and went home to his wife that he was promoted and he had all these plots to kill Mordecai and all the Jews. And all of a sudden, here they are. Everything just backfired again. So he got scared, he didn't know what to do, and it wasn't nothing for him to do. Basically, every everything that he had planned pretty much went back onto him. So that's the irony in the sun. It was a judgment, and there was irony because the judgment came for him rather than the person he had a judgment for. Um, <clears throat> so I want to finish it up on that here, and then I'm going to jump into um, where Daniel actually went through the same thing. So we're going to go through that after we do Esther. So Esther, we're going to finish Esther 8 here. Um, on that day, did the king Ahasuerus gave the house of Haman, the Jews' enemy, unto Esther the queen. And Mordecai came before the queen for Esther and told what he was unto her. And Haman thought of the name which she had taken from Haman and given them to Mordecai. And Esther sat Mordecai over the house of Haman. So not only did uh, everything backfired on Haman. Everything Haman got for the promotion and everything was given to Mordecai. So he, yeah, everything was, it was backfired against him. He shouldn't have never done it in the first place. But like I said, you know, such a time as this, this is what it is. So everything worked out for their good. So let's finish it up here. And Esther spake yet again before the king and fell down at his feet and besought him with tears to put away the mischief of Haman the Agagite and the device that he had devised against the Jews and said, If it please the Lord, if I have found favor in his sight and the thing seemed right before the king, I be pleasing in his eyes. Let it be written to reverse the letters devised by Haman the son of Hamedatha. Uh, the Agadite, which he wrote to destroy the Jews, which are in the king's provinces. For how can I endure to see the evil that shall come unto my people? Or how can I endure to see the destruction of my kindred? Then the king Ahasuerus said unto Esther the queen and to Mordecai the Jew, Behold, I have given Esther the house of Haman, and him they have hanged upon the gallows, because he had laid his hands upon the Jews. Write ye also for the Jews, as they liketh you in the king's name, fill it with the king's ring. For the writing which is written in the king's name, and filled with the king's ring, may no man reverse. Wherein the king granted the Jews, which were in every city, to gather themselves together, and to stand for their life, to destroy, to slay, and to cause to perish 
all the power of the people and powers that would assault them, both little ones and women, and to take the spoil of them for a prey. The copy of the writing for a commandment to be given, given in every promise was published unto all people, and a Jew should be ready against that day to avenge themselves on their enemies. And in every promise, in every city, whithersoever the king's commandment and his decree came, the Jews had joy and gladness, a feast and a good day, and many of the people in the land became Jews, for the fear of the Jews fell upon them. So not only were uh, Mordecai spared and uh, Queen Esther, but also all the Jews were spared. They were given their lives back. And it looks like some of the people even became Jews within the land. So that was even better that, uh, that the Jews were able to uh, convert others to Judaism um, at that time. So that was a blessing in itself. That too, so everybody pretty much trying to do you know the will of God at this time. Um, so let's jump right into Daniel real quick here because Daniel's situation, um, y'all know about Daniel, but Daniel's situation, uh, he just came in doing the will of God and he came and became a friend, and because a lot of people did not like Daniel because Daniel did the will of God. They started making up laws so that, you know, they already knew that in these laws that Daniel would not obey them because his God was different than their God. So they made up those laws to trap them. But in the end, it was the irony again. So we're going to read on that. Read on that irony real quick here. Uh, we have Daniel, the first chapter. And the king spake unto Ashkenaz, the master of his eunuch, that he should bring certain of the children of Israel and of the king's seed and of the princes, and, G and, and children in whom was no blemish, but well-favored and skillful in all wisdom and cunning and knowledge and understanding science, and such as had ability in them to stand in the king's palace whom they might teach the learning and tongue of the children. And the king appointed them a daily provision of the king's meat and of the wine which he drank, so nourish, nourishing them three years that at the end thereof they might stand before the king. But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's meat, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore, he requested of the prince of the eunuch that he might not defile himself. So right there, he's already starting his rebellion of whatever they're doing, where he says, well, I'm going to do what God says. I'm going to defile my body with whatever you guys are doing. I'm going to do what God wants me to do. Right there, he's already doing it. Okay? So then we'll jump on to 17. As for these four children, God gave them knowledge and skill in all learning and wisdom, and Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams, and in all matters of wisdom and understanding that the king inquired of them. He found them ten times better than all the magicians and astrologers that were in all his realm. So even though um, Daniel and some of the people that were with Daniel, they did not go along with what was going on in that kingdom, the king still 
still had much respect for them because he found them way more wiser, way more, he just found them better than everybody else in his kingdom. So, far as he was concerned, you know, pretty much Daniel was down to get away with a lot. And whoever, you know, the other four, you know, all four of them he pretty much get away with a lot because they just, they, they were doing the will of God, and them doing the will of God allowed them to be more respected. So then he wrote Daniel the sixth chapter, then the presidents and princes sought to find occasion against Daniel. So here we go. They were people plotting again. So concerning the Canaan, but they could find none occasion or fault. For as much he was faithful, neither was there any error or fault found in him. So they trying to plot something, and they just cannot find anything. And that's how familiar, right? Because we talked about what them was doing with Jesus with the false accusing, and they just couldn't, they couldn't catch him. They couldn't ever catch him. Like all his false witnesses, they, they didn't add up. So they just couldn't find anything wrong with Daniel. So then, then said these men, we shall not find any occasion against Daniel except we find it against him concerning the law of his God. So that's what they had to do. They had to make a law towards his God. Okay? So, toward our God. Okay? So they had to make a law towards our God saying, wait, okay, you read what it says. All the presidents of the kingdom, the, the governors and the princes, the counselors and the captains, have consulted together to establish a royal statute to make a firm decree that who shall, whosoever shall ask a petition of any god or man for 30 days, save of thee or king, he shall be cast into the den of life. So he's saying anybody who prays that he got a man for the next 30 days, except the king, he's going to be cast into life. And now you know pretty well, Daniel going to be consulting his god on the day of basis. So this was a trap from the beginning. On that, it was a trap from the beginning. They already knew that they didn't want to go to his God. So it came the king and his God. So we already knew. So we now, when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went into his house, and as one of me opened his chamber towards Jerusalem, he kneeled upon his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he did a four times. So even though Daniel knew what the decree was, he still kept on doing the will of God regardless. And he kept on doing it. He left him fear him. He didn't have no fear of what's going to happen to him. He didn't fear about the lions eating him up. He didn't have no fear whatsoever. He even had the windows open. That's how much fear and boldness he had within him. He even had the windows open so everybody could see. Okay? So then these men assembled and found Daniel praying and making supplication before his God. Then the king commanded, and they brought Daniel and cast him into the lion's den. Now the king spake and said unto Daniel, Thy God, whom thou servest continually, he will deliver thee. So the king knew he had faith. He had faith more than more in Daniel's God than the gods in that kingdom. And he knew that Daniel's God would deliver him. He knew this. And he, and he basically, in 
Daniel, like, yeah, I'm going to have to cast you in here, but just know God's going to deliver you. So then the king arose very early in the morning and went in haste into the den of the light. And when he came to the den, he cried with a lamentable voice unto Daniel. And the king spake and said to Daniel, O Daniel, servant of the living God, is thy God whom you serve is continually able to deliver thee from the lion? Now he said this while Daniel was still in the den. Okay? So he ain't took him out yet. He's talking to him within the den. He ain't even open that yet. So then said Daniel unto the king, O oh, king, live forever. My God has sent his angel and has shut the lion's mouth, that they have not hurt me. For as much as before him innocency was found in me, and also before thee, O oh, king, have I done no hurt. Then the king was exceedingly glad for him and commanded that they should take Daniel up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den, and no matter of hurt was found upon him because he believed in his God. Uh, yes, yes, look what they do for you. Uh, yes, that's how faith works. Faith works just like this. You keep doing the will of God, God uh, will show you some things. He's going to show you some things every time you do his will. Don't go outside the will, because when you see all the bad things, you got to stay within the will of God, okay? And then the king commanded, and they brought those men which had accused Daniel, and they cast them into the den of lions, and them and their children and their wives. Oh, my goodness, the children and wives, that's bad. And the lions had the mastery of them and break all their bones and their pieces. And forever they came at the bottom of the den. Now there's the irony. But they hoped for Daniel came unto themselves. You can't see and can't you can't hope bad things happen to people. Can't do that. That's not even godly anyway. See and hope bad things happen to people. These men plotted against the man of God. And everything they plotted for that man of God backfired on them and their family. I'm sad that the wife and the children got into that man. I say, let's be careful who you marry. Let's get back. Yeah, be who you marry. But anyway, so that was the irony in that point. That everything that they plotted backfired on them. And as numerous of stories of this happening. Everything, people get plotted, people plot, and it's a backfire, it's a backfire. Those are not only backfire, but those who are obedient to God. Like, you can't just say, you know, everybody, no, everybody didn't always do the will of God. So, some of them got punished. And ain't nothing backfired. They got punished just along, just right along with the people who do one of God's people. They got punished along with them because they disobeyed. But these, these people here, I'm speaking of, they obey God. So, of course, they got the blessings of God. So, here we go. We got Exodus. We don't talk about Moses. Because <clears throat> a lot of people get upset. I hear a lot of people get upset uh, with God concerning Moses. Uh, I get a lot of people telling me how God was wrong for killing the children. And I'm 
I just saw God don't kill. God don't kill no kids. I mean, he gives life and he ain't taking. He has the right to do so. Because those are his lives. He gave them to you. You wouldn't even be alive if he had not given the life to you. So he doesn't kill. He just takes his life back. There's a difference. So he didn't kill nobody. He just took the life back that he gave. Won't say he killed. That's what they like to say so they can make God look bad. The whole plan. You can't allow people to make your God look bad. Nobody's going to make my God look bad. You can't let nobody come in and make your God look bad. All right? So this is what we're going to right into Exodus. We want to understand the irony in Exodus. Okay? So here we go. Exodus, first chapter. Now there rose a new king over Egypt, which knew not Joseph. I don't know if y'all remember Joseph, but Joseph was appointed, uh, I think he was appointed like a high chief or something like that, prior to the new, uh, the king of Egypt. So he was, he was appointed and, you know, he helped the old king, you know, run for things. So he was an Israelite who helped out. And so with him doing this, they, you know, they brought in the Israelites. And for years, they just kind of brought them all together. Egypt and the Israelites, and they worked together. So this new king did not know them. So he didn't really want to go along with the new stuff of Israel, with the, with the Egyptians. He didn't really so much like it. So here we go. Right to he said to his people, to his people, which are the Egyptians, Behold, the people of the children of Israel are more and mightier than we. So he was noticing that the Israelites were populating faster than the Egyptians. That's that's a blessing. People don't realize children are blessed. They try to make it look like kids are not kids are a blessing. They were populating. He was scared. He did not want them to overrun the kingdom. So he was like, yeah, we got to get rid of them. Come on, let us deal wisely with them. Lest they multiply and it comes to pass when there falleth out any war, they join also to our enemies and fight against us and so get them up out of the land. So that's what he feared. He said that they would one day grow so big that somebody, their enemy would come in and they would join forces with the enemy. Now, why would they join forces with the enemy unless you're doing something wrong to them? That's what you got to be answering yourself. Because you wonder why you wasn't treating the Israelites like they're just like y'all family. Y'all living in the same kingdom. And they didn't do that. He knew he was doing some messed up stuff to them. But now he's scared. Oh, my God, they populate so greatly. If we get enemies coming, and they're going to join the enemy, and they're going to kill us. And they're going to kill enemies, and they're going to run over. So they were scared. They were scared. They were scared. But the more they afflicted them, pretty much the more they enslaved them, beat on them, everything, the more they multiplied and grew, the more God blessed them with more children. And they would grieve because of the children of Israel. Oh, they grieved them. Oh, my goodness. They, they probably would only make it one baby per family. And he goes, got, got six to ten kids coming out of them. So... <laughs> And then the king of Egypt spake to the Hebrew midwives, of which the name of the one was Shifra, and the name of the other Pua. And he said, When ye do 
in life to the evil women and see them upon the stool. If it be a son, then you shall kill him. But if it be a daughter, then she shall live. Now he's telling the 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 um the midwives, the Hebrew midwives. He sent the Hebrew midwives to kill the children. Why would you even tell the Hebrew midwives to do something like that? What, what, what comes in your head to tell the Hebrew to kill on family, on people? I don't understand. But that's what he said. But the midwives feared God. And they did not have the king of Egypt command them, but saved the men's children alive. So that they feared God. And that's what we're supposed to do. We ain't supposed to fear man. We're supposed to fear God. Because God is our Father, and he knows what's best. So we're supposed to do the will of God so that everything will be all right. Okay? So, therefore, God dealt well with the midwives. And the people multiplied and wagged very mightily. So more and more children came. And it came to pass, because the midwives feared God, that he made them houses. And Pharaoh charged all his people, saying, Every son that is born ye shall cast into the river, and every daughter ye shall save alive. So there we go. There that. So Pharaoh made a decree to kill all the, the, the sons that were born, kill them to the war, and then the women. When the children live. So that, that, that you already heard it. That's the first. Listen up. For all those who you hear tell you guys how God was mean, killing the Egyptian kids, listen up. This started with Pharaoh. Pharaoh killed these kids first. Okay? He did this. All right? No, everybody should not be getting mad with God because he takes away life because that's what he does. He gives things, he takes away. It's okay. It's okay for him to do that. It is not okay for us to do that. Okay? So he went in and he, Pharaoh decided to take the life of the little children. Okay? Just because he was scared that they were overthrown. Well, all he had to do was get along with everybody. But no, he didn't want to do that. No, he didn't want to do that. So guess what he do? All right, so the Lord said to Moses, Yeah, will I bring one, this is Exodus, the 11th chapter, verse 4 through the 6th verse as well. And the Lord said to Moses, Yeah, will I bring one plague more upon Pharaoh and upon Egypt. Afterwards, he will let you go hence. When he shall let you go, he shall surely thrust you out hence all together. And Moses said, Thus said the Lord, about midnight will I go out into the midst of Egypt, and all the firstborn in the land of Egypt shall die, from the firstborn of Pharaoh that sitteth upon his throne, even to the firstborn of the of the maidservant that is behind the meal, and of all the firstborn of beasts. And there shall be a great cry throughout all the land of Egypt, such as there was not yet nor shall be like it anymore. So this was the irony again. The irony of how they plotted to kill the Israelite kids 
and so they were not populated as much anymore, and here we go, the backfire, it happened right back to them. Now, they were able to do that the first time, but see, um, what well, y'all don't know is Pharaoh potting the new Pharaoh after the other new Pharaoh, the one that uh, Moses grew up with, probably had plans to redo this all over again. What the other Pharaoh did now was to kill the firstborn kid. So if you wanted to do this all over again, well, he goes, he goes back to me, oh, no, you don't want to take your first. Because, you know, once, once, once that, all your kids do wake up, they all gone. Pharaoh ain't had no choice but they say, oh, my God, this man's God is like, whoa. Okay, this this way I've gotten scared. Like, we all went to bed and now we ain't got our kids. You know what I'm saying? So that's how that's how scary that was for Moses for not Moses, for uh Moses the Pharaoh that Moses grew up with. That's how scary that was for him to see that. Like he had seen a lot of things occurring, uh of what Moses was doing throughout all the miracles that Moses was doing throughout the you know, Exodus, but um, that right there alone, uh, them being taken out without somebody just coming in and killing them, that was crazy, man. Like, that that was the kicker right there. Like, his, obviously, Moses' God is way bigger and greater than mine. That's all he could say in his head. That man's God is greater than that. So, um, that's the uh, somewhat irony of of uh, judgment and uh, as far as the discernment for today. Um, I also want to just put in here, there's also, now it's not, not big of uh, irony, I would say. It's more of, um, it's a judgment, but it wasn't, a finished judgment. Like, it was like, if you don't do this, then this will happen. Kind of judgment. You know what I'm saying? But he really, God didn't really like judge per se. Them, he just warned them. So, this is the story of Jonah. Because Jonah, God told Jonah to do something. And you know, you had to really sit down and think, God told Jonah to do something. Right? Everybody else in here, I'm already, you know how they do the will of God. But Jonah did not do the will of God, okay? Because God told Jonah to go and tell the people of Tarsus um, and warn people of Tarsus what they're doing that was wrong. But Jonah was so dead set on them just being, he was like, no, nah, I don't want them some mean people. They deserve whatever they're going to get. I don't want to go over there and tell them. So his disobedience, my disobedience in Jonah. So he's pretty much a hypocrite right now because he's not obeying what God said, but then he's talking about Tarsus who's not obeying God either. So that's the hypocrisy in Jonah right now. Like, okay, so here we go. Jonah sitting here telling you and telling God he's not going to go and warn the people of Tarsus. He did say what I was doing. Like, he literally ran away, okay? Like, he can't run from God. God's everywhere. He can't run from God. But that's what he's trying to do. He's trying to run. And he tried to run. And thinking in his head, I 
we helping these people? They is wrong building, guys. We all want help, and they deserve everything God has for them. Every wrath, all of that, right? So mind you, mind you, this man ain't being disobedient. This, this man ain't being obedient. And he's talking about other people who not being obedient. And then, um, gets on a boat, and the boat is like, you know, the storm comes, God puts out a storm, and the people on the boat feel like, man, why are we having this storm? You know, why is this boat doing this? And they start to realize it's because of Jonah. So they throw Jonah off the boat, and Jonah gets swallowed by a whale. Now, now Jonah got swallowed by a whale, but he ain't dead yet. Now he got to plead to God. He got to plead to God and make a promise to go and do what God said. Now, not, he could have just died and God could have found somebody to him. But God spared his life. Okay? God spared his life. Okay? So, so crazy. God spared his life. And got him shot out of the well, right? Out of the fish. Got him shot out of the fish. And he goes to Tarsus. And he warns the people of Tarsus. And then he gets mad because God does not put his wrath on Tarsus because the people of Tarsus decided they want to go, they're, they're going to go in and do the will of God. He gets mad. Now, mind you, you are forgiven. Because God could have put wrath on you. So the same forgiveness God gave Jonah was the same forgiveness God gave Tarsus. And that's the irony. <laughs> that's the irony of that. Okay, but Jonah could not foresee, he did not foresee that because he still wanted them to get wrath. Well, you cannot want wrath for others and not accept wrath on yourself if you're disobedient yourself. The same wrath you wish on somebody else will happen to you. Okay? So you should not sit around and, and wish anything evil someone else, because it can easily happen to you. I have a, um, I don't know if you guys have even heard of The Color Purple, <laughs> it's one of my favorite movies, and in the movie, the woman, she's married to this man, the man beats on her, she's never wanted to marry the man in the first place, so her dad gives it to the man, and um, so finally she stands up to the man, and she stands up to him and she's about to leave. And he runs out of the door and he says, I should have locked you up and just let you out to work. And she says, the jail you planned for me is the one you're going to run. Everything you've done to me already done to you. So everything, so that that looks like one of my favorite ones to be like, great. Anyway, y'all, y'all feel like it. Anyway, so that's what I'm saying. So, the things that you plan against somebody else can easily backfire against you. God got to be careful not to lay curses upon others because the same curse you put on somebody else could happen to you. Always speak blessings. Always, I don't care what nobody, anybody do to you, always speak blessings because you want blessings for you. That's why God, Deliberately says, treat others as you want to be 
nobody is doing around you, that's what you do. You tell you, after reading all these scriptures here and confirming how it works, you do the will of God, those who are against you, it will backfire. Like, everything they're plotting against you can easily happen to them. And hopefully, they're not plotting your death. Because then they pretty much done determine their own death. So, I'm going to read a couple of scriptures from David. David speaks a lot about plotting. Like, he's always got somebody plotting against him. He had, he had Saul trying to kill him, and he, he was praying with his friends. They did not like David at all. So, we have uh, Psalm 38 12. They also that seek after my life lay snares for me. And they that seek my hurt speak mischievous things and imagine deceit all the day long. See? They seek after my life and they lay snares and they make plans for me. And they seek hurt. They seek my hurt, speak mischievous things. And not only do they seek to hurt me physically, they, they, they speak evil things about me. And then they imagine me doing all kind of messed up stuff all day long. All day long, and they say they can cock the evil stuff of what they think I do. And I can just be doing nothing but the will of God. But this is what people do. They can cock, and they tell lies, and they plan plan to hurt, and they might even plan to kill. This is what people do. You know, everybody's not doing the will of God, but you have to stay doing the will of God. Those who I say they are followers of God, have to do the will of God. Those who I say they are followers of Jesus. Jesus did the will of God. So you can't say you are a follower of Jesus and you don't do the will of God because that's what he did. He said be as perfect as my father. He didn't say be as perfect as me. Because God clearly says no one is good but the father. So he said, be as perfect as my father. So don't go see and say you can't be perfect because he's telling you, obviously you can. Because he said, be that. So you have to believe you can be that. Don't go out with these people who tell you you can't be that because that's lack of faith. There's numerous stories of men who were righteous. Noah was righteous. Noah preached for 125 years telling people to get right with God. He was a righteous man. Enoch, Enoch was a righteous man. Don't don't let nobody tell you you can't be righteous. Because they were. And they went with God at the end. So they did the will of God. Don't let nobody tell you you can't be righteous. Don't do it. Don't do it just because they don't have enough faith don't mean that you don't have to have it. Okay? God sent Jesus to give us what we need to be righteous, and that's the Holy Spirit. If you ain't got it, get it. Okay? Psalm 37, 12 to 15 verse, the wicked plotteth against the just and gnashes upon him with his teeth, and the Lord shall laugh at him, for he seeth that his day is coming, and the wicked has drawn out the sword and have bent their bones to cast down on the poor and the needy, and to slay such as be of this upright conversation, and their sword shall enter their own hearts, and 
and women to their own heart in a bowl of a book. Everything that's fine on. This is David talking. Okay, this is David talking. He already know the game. He already know how it works. He know they be plotting. And he know the best time. Psalm 31, 13 to the 15. I've heard the slander of many. Fear was on every side. While they took counsel together against me, they devised to take away my life. But I trusted in thee, O Lord. I said, Thou art my God. My times are in thy hand. Deliver me from the hand of my enemies and from them that persecute me. He said he took counsel together against me and then advised to take away life. That's what they do. They take away life. They try to take away your life. But if you trust in God, you ain't got no problems. You ain't going to have no problems if you actually trust in God and do the will of God. If you actually do the will of God. And I might even know he always do the will of God. But he knew the game, though. He knew if he did the will of God, God was going to have him back. He knew that he didn't know that. So whenever he did not always do the will of God, he one thing he did have was remorse. I mean, David was a pleading joker. Okay? He pleaded all the time. Like he was always remorseful. He knew that thing. Found out that was wrong. Oh man, I'm so sorry, God didn't do it. I didn't even think about it like that. So that's why David that's why David was wrong because he was remorseful. Like, it's like he didn't even know. And then once he found out, he was like, oh, man, I never even thought about it like that. Like, it never dawned on him that this is what, what this means when you do this. So he was always clear. He was always sorry. He was all, and he, from the heart, he was sorry. It wasn't, you know, most people say they're sorry. They go back to saying they over there and I'm sorry. I'm No, no. He was sorry. And then he would like, he'd be like, man, just take me. Like, one of them, he'd be like, just take me, God. I don't even do this to my people. Just take me. That's how much he was sorry. He was like, take mine. Don't take them. Don't hurt me. I'm taking away my people. Just take me. Psalm 35. One to the fourth. David speaking again. Plead my cause, O Lord, with them that strive with me. Fight against them that fight against me. Take hold of the shield and buckler and stand up for mine help. Draw out also the spear and stop the way against them that persecute me. Say unto my soul, I am thy salvation. Let them be confounded and put the shame that seek after my soul. Let them be turned back and brought to confusion that devise my heart. Let destruction come upon him. And unaware, unaware, meaning the irony, <laughs> and then his neck, that he had hid to catch himself, that he had hid to catch himself. So he's saying, let any trap that he had hid laid out for me, let it catch him. Into that very destruction, destruction, let him fall. Let them be ashamed and brought to confusion together that rejoice at my hurt. Let them be cloaked with shame and dishonor that magnified themselves against me. So this is all, this whole verse is speaking of irony. He's saying, anything that divides against me, let it backfire back on them. Let them be ashamed. Let them bring confusion to me. Because they're going to be confused. They're like, oh my 
my God. How did that even, how did that even happen to me? Like, what? I didn't see that coming. That, that's, that, that's pretty much just that, that whole, those whole verses is pretty much about honey. Just everything they laid out against me, let that happen to them. Um, Psalm 21. For they intended, uh, Psalm 21, 11 through 12. For they intended evil against thee. They imagined a mischievous device which they are not able to perform. Therefore, shall thou make them turn their back, and they shall back make when thou shalt make ready thine arrows upon the strings and get the face of them. So basically, basically the arrow's going to turn. Make that your arrow. You face the arrow. You face the arrow in front of you, right? And you aim it at something in front of you. He's saying, let that arrow, that arrow, turn around and go to their back. That's basically what So basically, right back on you. You know what I'm saying? Everything you've done to me goes back onto you, basically. So that's basically what that's saying. <clears throat> and I want to end it with um, Genesis and Numbers because I know we have a lot of people we have to deal with every day who plot against us and do matter or evil against us, but we have to remember that we, we can't curse people. We can't send out curses. We can't pray to God that bad things happen to them or anything like that. Like, what I'm not saying, you know, because David was pretty much just saying, everything he intended on me to happen to You know what I'm saying? Well, but for us to say, how they die, you know, we can't, we can't do that. We can't, we can't send out stuff like that. Or I'll be a mom. Like, I know people who actually say, I'll be a mom die. That is just not right. We should not say that. People of God, we should not say such things. We should not curse people. And people want to say curse words are, you know, the B word and word. No, curse words are greater than that. When you speak into your child's life and tell your child that they're dumb and they're stupid and they're never amount to anything, those are curse words. Because you're already cursing their life. Okay, so you have to speak blessings and life to your children. You gotta tell them that they're not gonna be anything, they're not gonna mount anything, they're gonna be somebody's doormat or whatever people say to their children. I've, I've heard a lot of mean stuff to children. You can't say that to your kids, you can't say that to your wife, you can't say that to your husband. These things should not be spoken of to anyone. But those are, those are actual curses. Those words that you say to somebody else. People will believe those things. If you say it to them continuously, they won't believe it. If you call your child gay, and this child can never know what gay means, but just because they act funny, you call them gay, then you have put a curse into your own child because you have called them something they didn't even know what was. And now they're going to look, they're really trying to find out what that even means. And once they know what that means, they want to go ahead and say that's who they are. Because you gave them that label. You told them they were gay. You told your child stupid and not a child that want to learn nothing to be nothing. You said a child was a whore, so not a child grow up sleeping with everybody. You did this. And then you want to come and say, oh, you're going to hell. No. You cursed your child. You cursed your nephew or your niece or your uncle. You did this. Y'all had to do it. It's power in the tongue. It's 
power at a time. You don't have to curse anybody. Matter of fact, the best thing you should probably do is try to bless them. That's the best thing you can do. Because once God sees what they're plotting against you, <laughs> and you're doing the will of God, and God sees what they're trying to do against you, they better, they better pray that you pray. They better pray that you pray that God don't come get them. That's what they better pray. Because everything will backfire on them. And they want it. So everything that they plotted the worst is going to fall on them or it might fall on them. Can you imagine you plotting to kill somebody and, and, and your children get killed? That's why you shouldn't be plotting. You shouldn't be plotting to do nothing evil to anybody. I don't care what's going on in this world right now. There's people who are plotting to murder people today. They are plotting. You think, wait a minute, military. The military plot to murder. I'm sorry to say it. I'm just saying. We can't condone people plotting to murder people. I don't care what they're doing. We cannot condone it. We got to learn how to let God do what he do. And that's what the problem is. We don't let God do what we do. The reason why God has not stepped in the way he's supposed to step in is because we're not, we're not doing what we're supposed to do. If we all were doing the will of God, we wouldn't even have these problems. We would not have any of the problems we see today. There would not be famine. There would not be, be uh, abortion. There would not be kids, the animals getting killed on like, come on now, why is animals getting killed the way they get killed after we are totally the sacrifice thing is over? Well, it's still being like we're still sacrificing these animals. Like they're like literally almost none left. Seriously. What was God for coming after us was to take care of the earth, take care of the animals. Why are they all still getting killed like this? Why are they all leaving like this? I'm telling you, y'all don't get right now. Y'all don't start doing the will of God now. All, all signs are showing they're coming back. Okay, it's going to be some wrath coming. So y'all need to get right. Y'all got to get right right now because the signs are showing. The signs are showing stronger than ever. We have a Solomon and Gomorrah generation growing. And what, y'all got to think, what happened to Solomon and Gomorrah? What happened? Come on now. No, don't be oblivious to what happened. Let's, let's be real. So y'all got to make preparation to start doing the will of God. Don't let nobody tell you you can't do God's will. You need to listen to what God wants you to do. I'm telling you, there's uh, she talked about businesses because we, we have birth, we can birth businesses in us. I have a couple of businesses myself, and most of them are for the poor and and the and, and, the, and the children and the orphans because that's who I that's that's who I gear to. That's who I gear to. They need help. They have no one. While y'all seeking out money, I don't seek money. I seek help to help people. That's it. I don't care about being rich. I just want to help people, and that's what you said. Anything you do should be about helping people. If you have lost that way, then you're not in the right business. Because your business should always be about helping others. Okay? 
business and all you're thinking about is how much money you make. No. Work these business and so you can figure out how God's going to use you to bless others. We'll end it with Genesis and our numbers, Genesis chapter 12. And I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee, and curse him that curseth thee. And in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. He was speaking to Abraham right then. He was telling him about his, you know, him being a father of the nation. And he basically is saying, I will bless you. I will bless those who bless you. And I will curse those who curse you. So you ain't got to do nothing. Y'all ain't got to be doing all this crazy stuff. Y'all ain't, you know, only those who don't believe in what God's going to do worry about stuff like that. I'm not personally, I don't worry about stuff like that at all. Unless I don't stop doing the will of God, then I worry. That's what I worry. You know, when, when one kid say, ooh, you done did something wrong, I'm like, oh, what I got to do to fix it? I got to find out what I got to do. That's the only time I worry. Other than that, I don't worry. Number 24-9, and he couched, he couched, he laid down as a lion, and as a great lion, who shall stir him up? Blessed is he that blesses thee, and cursed is he that cursed thee. And again, that's what basically saying the same thing. We got to bless those. And even, even Jesus said, bless those curses. You know what I'm saying? Like, we have to bless people. We can't, we can't stoop down to other people's level. You know? We can't do it. And you see how these different things about judgment. Judgment, as you can see here, is, has been um, all calamity, all punishment. You know, all these things you've seen here is judgment. So, again, what somebody tell you judging them because you tell them the right thing to do, they're lying. Don't believe that mess. Don't feel some type of way because they don't know what judging is. And you gotta read it. All these men judge these other men by trying to plot and kill them. And it backfires. That's judging. Plotting to kill people. That is judging. Plotting ruined lives to take away somebody's life or, or, or give them a sentence of some kind. That is judging. Okay? It's judging is not telling people the right thing to do. Well, every time somebody tries to tell you that mess, you tell them that is not what I'm doing. They're false accusing you. And that is a sin to be false accused. Thou should not false accused. Thou should not bear false witness. That is what they are doing. They are lying on you. You are not judging them when you tell them the right thing to do. Ezekiel tells us that we are watchmen. We are supposed to be our brothers and sisters keeper. We are supposed to see something wrong and tell you. That's what we're supposed out of love. That's what we're supposed to do. Because if we're not doing that, we don't love. I can't sit there and watch you do evil among somebody else and say, I love you or them. That's impossible. That don't even make sense. It don't make sense for you to watch people do evil and say you love them by not saying nothing. You don't love nobody because your house is closed. You ain't helping nobody because you're sitting there watching. 
your mouth. You got to say something. You got to do something. You can't just allow these people to walk and model and sin and tell you you're judging as soon as you say something to them. Because that is not what you are doing. People, that is not what you are doing. Okay, you have not condemned anybody to hell. And please don't condemn people to hell, okay? That's not what you're supposed to do. Only God knows who goes to hell. So don't be one of them. You know, you don't know what they're going to do. You don't know what God's going to do with them a couple of years later. You can't say that. Don't ever say that. All you say is, all you need to say is, you're not doing the right thing. That is not the will of God. You don't want to tell nobody they're going to hell. There's not, no. You don't know where to go, so don't say that. That's a curse. Matter of fact, you telling somebody they're going to jail or hell, that is a curse. That is a curse. You do not say something like that. Ever. I don't care if they're, they're, they're whatever they're doing, to take them there, yes. You can say, keep on it, and that will take you there. So you got to stop. But you can't say, oh, you're going straight to hell. No, you can't say that to people. Oh, no, 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 you can't say that. Oh, you don't know where they're going. You don't know what God got planned for them. So you can't be saying to God like that you have. Because you might not be in the right direction your own self. And you ain't going to tell somebody they're going to hell. You might not do the right thing either. Because I'm telling you, it's so many picking out what sins God has accepted. God ain't, God didn't tell you I'm not accepting this. He told you straight up what he not accepting. What is, what is sin? This is nothing but disobedience. It's nothing but transgression of the law. And what's wrong? The commandments of the law. So you transgress those commandments he gave. See, you're sinning. And there's so many that transgress those commandments. I mean, covering alone. <laughs> covering alone has to cover it, it, man, there's so many sins in covenant. So many sins that people commit in covenant alone. Because all of them pretty much starts in covenant. The lying in covenant is probably the biggest sin out here. Because people are never satisfied with God. Whatever God gives them, they're not satisfied. They're, they're not ever happy. They're not ever happy. they got to have them more. Jesus will not rich me. He didn't come down here with gold and silver and nice big suits and you know, he didn't do all that. He was a plain looking guy walking around, he and the folk as as friends of message. That's all he did. He wasn't dressed up to the nines. He didn't have money hanging out of his pocket. None of that stuff concerned him. So why does it concern you? Oh, he, he came out here helping people. That's the only concern you should have is what can I do to help somebody else? Because that's all he did. He fed people. He didn't even have no money feeding people. He got a people's heart to feed one another. People would come together to feed one another. And then he would make it so much food out of Come on now, y'all got to read. Y'all got to read about the blessings, all the things Jesus did, y'all. Ain't none of y'all acting like Jesus. None of you. Come on, y'all. Jesus got the money God gives him. 
to doing the devil's will. I'm just saying, I don't know why y'all, I don't know why anybody would think the devil's will is way better. Or our own will is way better than God. I don't even foresee how anybody came up with that perception. I don't get it, but they got it. I don't understand it, but they see what happened. And then they wonder why there's so much chaos and calamity in their lives. When we chaos and calamity, because you're not doing the will of God. You got to do the will of God, people. Okay, you got to teach your children how to do it. You got to tell your friends, you got to tell your family. If they can do it, you have to encourage them to do God's will. Stop encouraging people to make money and encourage people to do the will of God. Why they can't take money with them? Amen. 
God gives his people words of instructions to, 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 to draw them back, draw man into a place of repentance back unto God so that they can turn from their evil ways. And so it comes with two different characteristics will be there. It's going to be this. Either repent from your evil ways and without repentance, then this is the judgment that God is going to bring upon you. Because you got to know the consequences, right? That God is going to do in your life if you fail to follow the will of God. That's why he told him in Ezekiel, he said, listen, as a watchman, he said this. He told him, if you do not sound the alarm and something happened to the people, then the blood is going to be on your hand. And so Ezekiel was going to be held accountable for that, right? And so he said, but if you sound the alarm, meaning give them the warning, let them know what's getting ready to happen if they do not repent, the judgment of God that's going to happen upon their life. And not only do we hear the prophets, not only when we look in the word of God, that as teaching is going forward, or prophecy is going forth, or someone is talking about what thus says the Lord, that it gave a couple of things. It gave what God had, the fault that God had with them, right? Um, it came with the repentance that they should do before God and it came with the consequences if they did not repent and if we look through the word right um, they was going into exile they were going to die right and in all sorts of matters as well because that was the consequences or the judgment of God for them not being obedient unto the word of God and so disobedience brings forth a curse or curses, to be exact. We're going to look at Deuteronomy chapter 28. And it's various curses that comes with that. Um, being disobedient, just being rebellious. Now, and we don't, or and cause we don't, we have the freedom to choose Right? Whether we want to be obedient or disobedient. But in the word of God, God tells us, okay, for the obedience, hey, you get the blessings. You get to walk in blessings and prosperity. That's your portion. But for the disobedient, it's death and destruction. That's your portion. And so you have to make the decision. Yeah, we got the power of the Holy Ghost on the inside of us. And so you have to make the decision if you're going to uh, allow the allow the power of God to make, be made perfect in your weakness that you overcome any fleshly desires, anything of the sinful nature that want that of act that your that you desire to do. Right? Or are you going to deny the power? And continue to act in a form of godliness. And in the form of godliness, 
right? You're going to either have to make a decision. Because in the form of godliness, that means that you are being disobedient unto God. Why? Because you're doing everything that you desire to do. You just refuse to live a life of righteousness, a life of holiness. And whatever your sin may be, because sin don't have a... Um, a measuring tool, right? Sin is just labeled as sin, and one is not bigger than the other. You sin, you just sin. Whether you told a lie or whether you murdered somebody, it was sin, and there's a consequence behind it. And we don't get to choose the consequence; we get the freedom to choose whatever we want to do. But because, but God said, "Oh, still over in Deuteronomy," He said, "Listen." But I want you to choose life. And life is being obedient to his statutes, commands, and his decrees. Amen. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Otherwise, you are in the potential. You have the potential of death, right? Bondage. Being turned over to your reprobated mind. And all other type of um, things that could consider to be devastating to happen in your life. That's what happens to the disobedient, the wicked, the evil. Amen. And God chose no partiality. Be- Amen. He's a just God. He's a just God. And if he did not spare Israel... He ain't going to spare any of us. How many Israelites died because they was disobedient? How many went into exile because they was disobedient? How many went in hardship because they was disobedient? Now, the ones who survived judgment it was so that they could understand who he was and come to a place of repentance and turn right turn don't do again what they previous done the wrong that they done you know just like David the man who was surely after God's heart very repentful and one thing about David what we see and recognize when we look at him and we can put him in comparison comparison with Israel is that once he done it if he when he did something wrong he acknowledged what he did wrong he repented before God when he repented he turned not to it again not to it again why? Because he had the love of the Father. He loved God with his heart. And he did not want to disappoint him. And so whenever he had to come under even the judgment of God, he took ownership of his mess. He took ownership of his mistakes. And 
and he repented for his sinful ways. And he knew how to cry to God, listen, create in me a clean heart and renew in me a right spirit. He did know how to have a conversation with God. And, 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 and just the FYI, because a lot of this is going on, okay, I can just do what I want to do, and then I can just repent and go back to the same way. No, that's not how it works. God, look at the motives of your heart. And to go back, to have the mindset, oh, I'm just going to repent, and I will be clean. Sorry, that's not how it works in the relationship with God. You have to have a true repentance. Meaning you turn away. Not to go back to it again. Amen. In the name of Jesus. Glory to God. Glory to God. And so people of God. Amen. We, we, we got to understand. You know. The nature of God. Even as the uh, woman of God was even dealing with the ironery. That um, the irony as you set up stuff for other people or evil for other people. Right? To just do evil to other people. And what you have set up for someone else manifests in your own life. Because you had an evil intent. Now rebuking somebody, that's not an evil intent. That's just bringing correction. We, many of us don't like correction. Many of us don't like rebuke, right? Because that's the that's the the sinful nature of man, the flesh of man. Yeah, we we don't like it, but it's necessary. Correction is necessary for our growth and development. That's why when Nathan came and rebuked David, the king, so the prophet came and rebuked the king. Amen. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. David took that rebuke. Amen. And he went and he was convicted in the rebuke. And he got it right with God. He got it right with God. Amen. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. So you can, God sent rebuke. God was sending the prophets. God sent his prophets, even now, his servants, uh, his leaders, his pastors to bring a whatever correction needs to be or rebuke needs to come forth so that correction can happen. That's for the church at large, right? Now is in such a dire state. Because where's the correction and the rebuke in the house? That's why people think, hey, that's why people can think they can just fornicate and commit adultery and live homosexual and lesbian lifestyle, lie, don't disobey God, don't live in the will of God, don't live out your purpose and do whatever else it is that you want and think it's okay and think you're getting in heaven. Oh, the devil is a lie. That ain't happening. You ain't, you ain't getting in heaven. It's all in the word. It's all in the word. It's all in the word. I don't. We'll make it up. We'll make it up. It's in the word of God. Amen. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. And for those who think that your good works going to get you in, it ain't happening. He said, I don't 
I don't even desire your sacrifice. It's your obedience at which you desire. And your obedience is when you're moving and operating in the will of God. What is his purpose for your life? It's too many people doing busy work and not the work that God has called forth in their lives. And you're being disobedient. And you're being very rebellious. Amen. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. And you thank we thank you going to heaven. And it is just ain't gonna be so. Yeah, you're going to hell. Hell is your portion. Hell is that's the bed that you were lying in. Uh, uh that you would wake up, or that's the place that you would wake up in eternity. That you'll be in eternity in if you don't get in alignment with the word of God. If you don't repent before God and do what it is that he has spoken unto you, do what it is that he's called for for you to do. I mean, it's, it's just black and white. It ain't no gray in between. Ain't nothing great in the area of the word of God. Absolutely nothing. Absolutely nothing. And so we got to get it right. We, we got to get it right. We got to... Other thing, I, I wanted to um, deal with Saul and um, David's relationship. Um, Saul and David, right? Um, Saul loved David until, my God, David began to get all the accolades, right? Once David began to get accolades, then jealousy arose in Saul. And as soon as jealousy rose in Saul, um, as you know, the women were saying, hey, Saul killed his thousands and David killed his ten thousands. <laughs> that just didn't sound all good in the ears of Saul. And so um, jealousy ar arose. Amen. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Um, hallelujah. And so as jealousy arose, then Saul began to plot his death. God, I mean, now Saul began to plot David's murder. Amen. Glory to God. And then at whatever point when he came into the revelation that David is actually the next king. Oh my God. That made it even the worse. Made it even the worse. David loved um, David loved Saul and he served him very well. Even when Saul was after David's um, life. Amen. David um, showed man uh, uh, being a man of excellent character. Amen. Glory to God. Thank you. Just because he could have taken Saul's life and he did not do it. Amen. Glory to God. Um, thank you, Jesus. And I, I just believe, and it showed the very maturity of David um, as he walked out the word of God, even, even going back to serve Saul several other on several other occasions amen word of god thank you jesus um after his first initial pursuit of killing david amen and and you can just see david walking out the word of god right that that love walk right that that love walk um 
Um, amen. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. As he even, you know, continued to serve Saul where he could. Amen. Because of the anointing that was on David's life, even though jealousy got in there. Uh, my God, um, Saul still needed, it was times when David had to come in and, and play that harp so that he can have, Saul could have some peace in his life. Hallelujah, thank you, Jesus. Um, glory to God. And so, the anointing on David's life caused um, the breakdown in him and Saul's relationship. Amen. I know there's a, a lot of people out there that have some Saul's and David. Amen. Relationship. But to God be the glory. Thank you, Jesus. We praise God that um, that you'll prevail right over your Saul. Um, in the name of Jesus. Um, glory to God. No matter how they scheme and plot. Um, to take your life um, that the word of God because it cannot be fronted shall manifest in your life um, dynamic people of God hallelujah thank you Jesus so it is time that we take our place and we take our position um, in the land dynamic people of God amen because in our disobedience, the judgment of God will be upon us. I mean, just like we, you know, we look for the favor of God. We look for the blessings of God. We, we stand in anticipations of, of the blessings of God that comes with, that comes with um, conditions. The conditions for the blessings. And this is the thing. Um, the blessings come with certain conditions for them to manifest in our lives just as well as consequences right um judgment comes with conditions amen in the name of jesus um glory to god and so you are the determining factor of of what happened in your life do you manifest the blessing or do you manifest the judgment? And this is the thing I love about God. Before he execute judgment in your life, before he execute judgment upon you, he definitely sin. He he, spe he speaks to you himself. Amen. Glory to God. He lets you know himself. Whether you want to acknowledge it or ignore it. But he surely send people. Amen. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. To inform you, to warn you, right, on what thus have said the Lord. Giving you the opportunity to repent so that you would not have to deal with the, so you would not face the judgment of God. Or, right, just so you'll be in the in the know that God is the that God is um is giving you the warning before he bring forth the judgment 
or the chastisement in your life. And that's why we got to be willing to be the mouthpiece of God because we are damaging lives when we won't give them the full cancel of God's word. We're setting people up to, to feel the sword of God when we won't give them the full cancel. That's why God was very pacific with Ezekiel over in um, uh, 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 over in um, chapter 33 amen glory to God about him sounding the alarm about sounding the alarm because God want to save the soul God don't want it ain't God desire to bring wrath it's not God desire to, to bring judgment. It's not God desire for any, not one person to end in hell because it is not designed. He did not build it for us to go there. But we can make the choice to go there if we do not hearken to the voice of God. We, we have the choice. And so he would send people. That's why we gotta, we gotta, we got to preach, teach, prophesy the full counsel of God's word so that the people will not be ignorant. Amen. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. And that's even when we are. Even when you're speaking of the blessings, you gotta you gotta let people understand. Listen, some of these these things are not automatically. It comes with conditions, and if you're not willing to do the conditions, then the blessings can't manifest. It's just point blank, and we gotta learn how to keep it real, keep it one hundred with God's people, so that they can live and not die. So many people are perishing right now to think they're going to get it in. They're going to get in. Because people ain't speaking the truth. They won't acknowledge the truth of God's word. Amen. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. We're preaching sugar-coated messages and watered-down words. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. And amen, and, and we want to have this come by y'all conversation. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. But no, we need to know if you don't get your life right before God call you home, if you don't get right with Jesus, if you don't get right with God, yes, you you going to hell. Amen. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. You, you, you just, I mean, that's that's just word. Amen. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. If you don't live a life of the righteous, if you don't come to live in holy standards, I don't care how many auxiliaries you serve on. I don't care how many um, prophecies you prophesy. I don't care how many times you preach. None of that matters. If you ain't living the life 
that God has commanded unto you. You're just a work of iniquity who he never knew because you lack relationship. Because those with true relationships, it calls you to have a heart desire to please the Father. And any time, that he speak unto you, amen, or he sends somebody to speak the word, that there should be a conviction because you know, amen, glory to God, that your lifestyle is not lined up with the word of God. He said it's your obedience is what I desire and not your sacrifice. And so many of us are doing sacrifices that he cared not of. Matter of fact, he told them several times in the word, shut the door of the church. Don't offer up another sacrifice. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. Because that wasn't what God desired. Just like he don't want nobody to go to hell. But that can be where you spend eternity. Hey, if you cannot, if you refuse to be obedient. Because that's a greater power inside of you. The Holy Spirit that dwells inside of you. That gives you the capacity to obey every command, statute, and decree that God has, has spoken for his people. Because he left us without any lack and surely without any excuses. And so people got to know the truth, the full counsel of the truth. Amen. So that they can be set free. So they can live according to what God has spoken in their life. What God has chosen for them. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. And they can walk out their purpose, live out their purpose, and then proclaim the promises of God. Amen. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Yo, we bless God um, on tonight. Amen. For the dynamic woman of God for coming and dealing with judgment, the ironery. And just really dealing with several different things. Amen. As she went over to the book of Daniel and amen um glory to god and over in the book of exodus as well showing the honorary in the in the word of god where people were setting up um evil and wicked plans to unfold in the lives of god's people but as they was un as they was unfolding or they was plotting them or um are executing them that they themselves ended up being um the one in whom that judgment right or what they plotted would come upon amen in the name of jesus um glory to god and so we truly truly bless god for that we want to open up the line that make people of god um for god's people on tonight wow amen um in the name of jesus um, glory to God. Um, you can dial in for those who are listening in from our social media platforms or the radio platform as well. You can dial in at 319-527-2332. Again, you can dial in 319-527-2332. 
three two amen glory to god um this line is open um dynamic people of god again amen the woman of god was coming out of the book of esther amen um chapter seven and chapter eight amen um in the name of jesus glory to god this line is open Praise God. Hallelujah. How are you this evening? Oh, wonderful. Bless you, Dr. Dunn. <laughs> Hello. Hey, I just wanted to um, thank uh, the woman of God for her obedience. And, you know, um, I, you know, as I, I sat and I listened to her sermon, I just thought in my mind, Everyone that's in the listening audience, um, God is trying to really get a word through. The message this morning was those that dig a ditch fall in it. And so for someone to come back and preach something very similar, um, you know, when you do things to other people, what happened to you? which is the same thing as those who dig a ditch, they fall in it. God is clearly trying to get a word through to the nation, to the nations, to the people of God. And so I loved it. I, I loved it um, because I, I love the way God aligns. And when he has a word to say to his people, he drops it in the lives of two people who don't know each other at all. But he gives the same message, the same warning uh, to the people of God on the same platform. Hallelujah. And I just love the way that God strategically works to bring warning and correction in such a loving way to his people. So I just want to thank you, woman of God. I, I received what you said today. Um, so true, so true for the righteous and unrighteous. You know, it goes both ways. You know, you uh, righteous people go out to set traps too, and and like you said, they 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 throw curses on people and think that that they can do that, and it, you know that ain't gonna come back to them. So I just love it. Um, thank you again for your obedience, and thank you, Apostle, for this platform. Back in your hands. Amen. Bless. Thank you. Thank you, God bless you. Thank you. Amen. Bless you. Bless you. Bless you. Bless you, Doctor Don. Um, the line is open, people of God. Amen. To God be the glory. Thank you, Jesus. Um, Hallelujah. Um, if you are in, if you are someone that is plotting, right? the demise of somebody else. You, you, you plot into bring hurt or harm to somebody else's life or somebody else's family. My God. I'm, I'm praying right now that your heart is convicted and that you would cancel whatever plan that you have um you have come up with and begin to execute so that 
you will not be a victim, become the victim of your own plot. Amen. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. And I also want to encourage those who you are standing in the midst of the adversity of the plot, the scheme that has been launched to hurt or to harm you. I want to encourage you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. To hold on to your faith. Don't waver. Amen. Don't um don't allow the situation cause you to lose your character or your integrity. Amen. Even in the midst of the adversity, uphold the standards of God. And as you do a thing, you're going to see the favor of God manifest in your life. The word tells us, amen, glory to God, that we'll see our enemy flee seven ways. That we'll see our enemy fall, right, at our at our wayside. Amen, glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. We also know that God prepares a table for us in the presence of our enemies amen and so while they are scheming and while they are plotting um even as this morning uh when the woman of god came forth um out of esther we seen how god set mordecai up right in the plate right in the face of haman and um haman was the one who would give out the um the rewards or list the rewards that should take place for the man that the king would want to honor not knowing that it was the very person that he hated and not only that as he listed what the king should do to it do to that person he was also the one who would execute everything that he listed for that person not knowing that it was the person that he was trying to kill and destroy. But look at God, amen. He sat the table so nicely that now Haman would have to parade Mordecai around town in the robe of the king and on the king's horse and my god just lavishly and i'm sure my god that brought even more anger in the heart of 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 haman right but nevertheless amen god is working it out on your behalf amen glory to god thank you jesus hallelujah God is, the favor of God is going to show up in your life. And the temporary suffering that you, you're you going through, amen, it's just temporary. 
It does not outweigh um, what God is getting ready to do in your life, the glory of God that's going to manifest dynamic people of God. So don't be discouraged. Don't be dismayed in the midst of the circumstances. Know that, amen, glory to God, that God is going to defeat your foe. We heard the woman of God um, talk about uh, speaking the word. But God said, I'm going to contend with those that are contending with you. Know that he's contending with your enemy. And he's never lost a battle. So you shall be victorious in it. Because you are more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. Amen. Um, in the name of Jesus. Glory be unto God. With that being said, dynamic people of God. We're going to go in the love, joy, peace, favor, and the anointing. One moment before we go. I'm dynamic woman of God. Um, um, Thomasia, I do want to bless you again. For coming forth and just bringing forth the word of God, amen, and standing boldly um, in the word and to, to letting the people know what well, this is what thus says the Lord, that they would, that the hearts and the minds of man would change to bring conviction that repentance may go forth and that mankind would be reconciled back unto the Father, amen. Glory to God as they change from their wicked ways um, in the majestic name of Jesus. So we bless God for the ministry that he have upon your life and what he's doing um, in you, through you, and around you. And you just continue to um, allow him to use you in whatever space and place that he has called forth in your life. Dynamic woman of God. With that being said, dynamic people of God, we're going to go in the love, joy, peace, favor, and the anointing of our most holy Savior, who is none other than Jesus Christ, and is in his holy and majestic name that we've convened in intercession, and we've been empowered. Amen, amen, and amen. To God be the absolute glory. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. You guys have an amazing day, and we love each 